Hello, beautiful human. Thank you for joining Shit You Don't Want to Talk About. We're stoked to have you be a part of the conversation changing shit you don't want to talk about into shit to talk about. This show was created to have us open our minds and learn about new perspectives even when we don't agree with them. Please be advised. Episodes can discuss content that is not suitable for all listeners and it can be triggering. Opinions of our guests expressed on the show are their own. They do not necessarily represent the views of myself or the show. There are a few ways we could really use your support. Please share your favorite episode, especially send them to someone that could really use the content we talked about. Donate on PayPal and Patreon. Subscribe and rate the show iTunes and Spotify and follow on social media and join the conversation. It's shit to talk about. That's shit. The number two talk about links are in the episode description. Hey, G Scott Graham. Thank you for coming back and doing another episode for us. For those it's who a privilege. Listen, thank you. And for those who didn't listen to the first episode, please introduce yourself and let us know what the shit we're talking about today. Well, my name is Scott Graham. I'm an author. I'm a career coach. I'm a business coach. I've written 15 books so far. And the book we're going to talk about today is Androphile Pride or gay rights, gay stuff, because it's gay pride month. And, uh, what are you going to talk about during gay pride month, but gay stuff. So I'm here, I'm a gay man. I'm an out gay man and, and I'm a widower and I was in a relationship for 31 years, a monogamous relationship with another man for 31 years. And we're here to talk about how things have changed and grown and shifted and, and how you can march to the beat of your own drum. And I appreciate that you're coming back on again. And for those of you that are curious, we did speak about a, another book of his where he talks about mourning and telling people to fuck off uh, while go. going through at Come As You Are and going through the grief process and how it can be different for all of us. But also when so many of us say, oh, we're so sorry for your loss. And how that, that's basically like a cop out. So definitely check out that episode. We will link it as well. Yet today we talked before the episode uh, about setting up this episode as getting to know a bit of history because I feel like so many individuals nowadays, and this is such an important topic, even outside of Pride Month of you came out in the 80s and the 80s was during the AIDS pandemic. Yeah, yep. even you told me the reign of Ronald okay. Reagan, the reign of Ronald Reagan and who you know would not fund any AIDS research um, in his in his um, you know during his reign of of terror on our country. And All the Republicans I, are going to email me now hate messages. <laughs> well, I think it's a big thing because uh, with, especially with COVID in the last few years, we came out with one of the fastest vaccines. And with the AIDS pandemic and HIV, it was, it wouldn't be funded Therefore, it took so much longer. And it's only been, what, in the last five or so years that we finally came out with something for HIV to be able to help prevent AIDS. And where I'd like to dig in is you came out in the early 80s. How? Like, I would be scared to sleep with anybody if this virus or this condition is going around. How did you navigate, like, the dating life? What did you, how did you feel about this going on? Cause I feel like that's an extra layer to coming out. Yeah. You, you know, it's interesting with, with my friends after I came out every time you got, imagine every time you got a cough these days, you'd be like, <clears throat> Oh my God, I have COVID. Oh my God. I have to go get a COVID test and you can do your at home COVID test, right? There wasn't a test when I came out, in fact, eight, 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 it wasn't even AIDS or HIV. It was grid. It was like gay something immune deficiency. Um, that was totally 
uh, labeled as a gay disease. And, um, and people were just absolute shits and bigots about it. I remember going to a Easter celebration with friends of my family. And I remember um, a, uh, one of the people at this large table said, hey, what do you call a gay man on roller skates? And um, everybody's like, ah, and he's like, roll aids. <laughs> I mean, it was that level of, of hate and fear that was associated uh, from the general community on this. And then as, as a gay man, you were just uh, you know, so nervous about how you were interacting with folks. But it's really interesting because I've had this conversation about people with COVID, like the mask haters and the six, I'm like, this is easy. Just put on a goddamn mask and stay six feet away. You know, when I was coming out of the closet and I was actively, you know, having sex with men and dating, it was the mask was the condom and the mm -hmm. six foot rule was, you know, be a top, not a bottom. And it was a whole long list that, you know, somebody came in your mouth, you were less likely to get HIV than if someone came up your ass. And it was just, there was like this piece. It was like a six foot rule. Like you're, if, if you were doing these sexual behaviors, you were this far away from potentially getting the virus. And if you were doing these behaviors, you were that much closer. Uh, and, and there was no test. And so every time you got like a cold or something, you were like, oh my God, do I have HIV? Oh my gosh. There was um, so much fear um, about this. And then at the same time, there was a profound lack of education. Like we, with COVID, we've been swamped with, I mean, if you don't, I mean, and there was no naysayers, like, you know, we have these like anti-vaxxers, anti-maskers that are out here now with COVID. There was no naysayers with the gay community. You just had no idea what you were doing. And it was a struggle to get information out to save people. And that, I like your analogy of like the six foot rule and masks to wearing condoms and, you know, navigating that it's, uh, this will be linked in the episode as well. Yet I was listening to science versus it's another podcast. And they talk about, uh, how the episode talked about how transgender children, like testing it out scientifically, if it's something that is going to be bad for them long-term, like blocking hormones. It's a very interesting episode and it goes into the rights and the difficulties that Reagan wouldn't even really acknowledge AIDS or gay men. And it was really mostly associated with gay men and how that caused us to not even have vaccines until almost 30 years later. Yeah. And it's something that has really put a stigma around the gay community. And how have you seen that change since the 80s? You mean the stigma or you mean how, how the gay community is responding? Which, what do you mean? Both. I, you know, I still think there's a stigma. I think that people see uh, there's a big stigma when people um, report that they're HIV positive, um, particularly now with, you know, people that have become HIV positive in, you know, 2000 onwards or even earlier when you knew what was, was, what, what was going on, right? It's like, you're, you're HIV positive? what you're not were you were, were you not wearing a condom were you not doing you know practicing safe sex you know, you must know about that because it's like someone who gets who gets covid now in the united states right because if someone gets covid now in the united states it's like well what were you were you not wearing a mask what were you not what were you doing that puts mm -hmm. you at risk for covid you know did you think that and i've had numerous people tell me that that have gotten covid that they've said you know, I, I, I was vaccinated. I thought that I thought I'd be fine. And they just, they just didn't have that extra piece of, all right, you know, you still have to wear a mask. I was, I was at a Tough Mudder this last weekend um, race and we're at the starting line. I was the only person at the starting line wearing a mask and, and the whole race. 
That's right? crazy because like I recently got COVID and that was my initial thing is, okay, where did I get it? What did I do wrong? And the FDA is no longer requiring us to wear them on the planes. And right. so that's the only place that I've been in a closed-in environment. The, air, the airports don't require them, which is great. Yet at the same time, I'm pretty sure that's where I got COVID. And ex- you did talk about that it was difficult to get tests in, in the 80s. They didn't even exist. I mean, there was no test. There was no test. Yeah. I mean, we have take-home tests here that for COVID now, right? Yeah. And and I mean, you, there was there was no. T- I remember when I got my first HIV test, I was petrified, and that was in the late eighties. Um, and it was I, gripping. I, I know, I volunteered for a few years at the LGBTQ plus center in Phoenix, and it was one of the few places that individuals could go to get tested discreetly mm-hmm. and for free. Because yeah. like insurance would charge a lot, uh, doctors would have this stigma behind it, and how? Yeah, people wouldn't that- touch you. It was if you got HIV in the eighties, you know. Imagine getting COVID, and every time every person who got COVID was an automatic death sentence. Like, just imagine that. Like, we were freaking out because you know a certain percentage of the elderly population or people at risk were going to hospitals and dying. Um, you know, every single person who was HIV positive in the early 80s is dead. They're all dead. They all died. It was a death sentence. There was no ifs, ands, or buts. There were no, there was no treatment. There was no medication. There was no nothing. Um, which is, and, and it was just really, people were, it was gripping. It was gripping. And people didn't want to talk about it. You know, I was, I was active um, at the university level when I went to college in the 80s. And I tried to get a, you're just gonna, you people are going to be blown away when I tell you this. I tried to spend, get $30, $30 to get safe sex practices printed out on 1,500 business cards. We were just going to go to a business card shop and get safe sex practices put out, you know, and it wasn't like, I mean, it, well, there were no pictures of cocks. There wasn't pictures of, it was nothing. It was just like, you know, oral sex was like as, as the, the most profane word that was on there. Anal sex was on there, you know, um, wear a condom, learn how to put a condom on properly. And I could not get $30 worth of funding from the University of South Florida to do this. And when I spoke to get the money uh, to be able to do this and hand it out, people actually were snickering and like doing catcalls in the audience, right? That's the type of environment it was in the 80s. Not that, not that way today. It's awful. Yeah. And you mentioned that you were also having a hard time finding businesses that would be willing to print them. Well, luckily there was a, glass, a number of gay printers out there, right? Oh, God. <laughs> there was, so uh, we actually had a gay printer that was willing to print them up at a discount for the 30 bucks, just at cost. It wasn't like you were going to get, you know, they were making money, any money off of this. I mean, it's 30 bucks, right? Uh, and and we couldn't even get the money to, to do that. Cat calls from folks and snickering. Yeah, I still, have the art, I still have the article from the newspaper when I was bringing that up where, where that went on. And they wrote an editorial about that in the school newspaper about you know, that level of bullshit that was happening. Um, and nowadays it is something that, and this has been a lot of hard work systemically, and we do see an improvement of that companies hire LGBTQ plus community out of, but it does feel like it's out of the need for that diversity check mark, not necessarily that they're wanting it, which I get is not awesome, yet it is an improvement. Did you have a hard time finding work 
if your employer or possible employer knew that you were gay? Well, you just didn't talk about that with your employers. And I mean, I was in college. And so I was working as a bartender or as a waiter. And so that was easy. I mean, it was like today, right? All, all restaurants then were looking for people to be waiters and waitresses and bartenders and busboys and cooks, just like they are today. It's, they're hard to find today. They were hard to find then. So I didn't have a hard time finding work while I was in college. Um, and then I came up to New England to work after that and, and got a job working with Outward Bound, which was, I was in a bubble of progressive support. Um, in fact, I remember uh, somebody uh, at some point, I was, it was, this was probably 1989, somebody wrote like faggot on the, well, I, had a, I had a dirty pickup truck and on the back window, they licked their finger and wrote, you know, faggot got all the dirt instead of wash me it said faggot and uh the the people that i worked with the administrators above me like hit the roof and it was i wasn't upset i wasn't upset uh because i'd gotten enough of that bullshit through my entire life so it was just like another piece but they were they did not tolerate it and i really felt i was like wow it was really nice to feel that support um with folks and they figured out who did it and took appropriate action around that. And it was, it was, that was really nice. Um, and they did, they did it because it was the right thing to do, not because they had to, not because somebody was watching. Now, this was the time where there were, you know, people weren't doing TikTok videos of, you know, the person's reaction. I mean, now someone does something that someone's got a camera right up your face, you know, yeah. take, getting everything. And then, you know, some news organization picks up on it and then it's on Twitter and it's everywhere and it's all over the place. There's a lot more informational pressure and publicity that can come uh, from, you know, someone's misstep now um then i mean look at that this is guy that just was going to work for i think georgetown made some comment about about one of the supreme court when they were looking for the supreme court justice and biden was you know was appointed to this woman and he, this person wrote something like you know well you know you appointed her because she was black i'm oversimplifying it but he basically said something like yes yeah, she got it because she was black even though she's less qualified than this other person and you know he that little snippet got so much publicity from the woke police that you know he ended up resigning before he even took the job at the university um, wow. that type of stuff was, is so small compared to the bullshit that was so, I mean, compare that to cat calls and snickering mm -hmm. when you're asking for $30 for a safe sex, uh, business card, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that safe sex business card made the student newspaper or the university newspaper and went no further. This guy makes a tweet, a miss, small misstep in what he was typing at the time. And then boom, it's all over the place such a different response because of information and technology that is in every single person's hands. And I do have two questions at the moment. I don't want to forget the second one. Two parts of when did you start openly talking about that you were gay? Because you mentioned that there you couldn't mention it at work normally. And then also I could only guess that you deal with haters still and how do you distance yourself from it and deal with the haters such as what happened to your truck you know when i when I, when the 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 biggest i think the biggest piece i'm going to get ahead you're going to say what's the piece of wisdom that you would have had at the end so also the biggest piece that i wish i had had when i was coming out was just a grip of my own identity and who i was and sense of who I was. And I remember talking to folks and they would say things like, when are you getting married, right? And everybody would ask me when I go to family gatherings, how come you're not married yet? And, and I would say, I just haven't found the right girl. That was my, that was my answer. Even though, you know, I knew that um, I was never gonna find the right girl. <laughs> <laughs> and they knew, they knew that, I mean, they were, they were not asking me, you know, to see when I was going to get married. 
in my in retrospect they were asking me because they were trying to like poke the bear and you know and be like oh what you know are you gay or you what you know that type of stuff um and so it was it was actually um you know my my big steps were were actually in the 90s uh, and i remember uh, you know, I was in a, I was in a, obviously I, I talked about this. I wrote a book about this in a 31 year monogamous relationship. And I was out as part of that. Everybody knew. And, um, I remember when we reached our, ten, this was and when we reached our 10 year anniversary, which was 1989, 1988, and people were, you know, talking about gay marriage and civil unions and stuff like that, which still hadn't come to pass. You know, I wrote an impassioned article for a newspaper in Vermont that got published. And so I was out to everybody. Um, and there was a certain amount of cat calling that still went on and name calling and stuff like that. But I just really ignored that because, you know, you, you, you just can't, this is me speaking for me, I'm not going to march to the beat of somebody else's drum, you know, and I was really lucky um, to, to have a husband who believed that same thing. You know, in fact, I remember it was, I think it was, I think it was 2010. This is before gay marriage was, Brian said, came up to me because we took turns we're, we're doing our finances and uh we had been married for i think it was our 10th anniversary of being legally we we're together 20 years and he had said to me you know this is this is bullshit this this uh taxes i'm not filing as a single person anymore and i was like uh, what he's like yeah we're we're married we're civil union i'm filing the taxes and, uh, as as a, as a married couple. And I'm like, but that's against the law. He's like, I don't give a fuck. I'm going to file the, and, I'm, and I was like, it was one of those times, you know, when you're in a, when you're in a relationship where you, you know, you have to make this, am I going to stick with my partner? I have, you know, we, you know he, I, it was through his strength that um, helped me take that next step because I would not have done that. But mm -hmm. he had just, he had been doing the taxes for ages. And because we were, when we got civil union in Vermont, I know we're going down some rabbit hole and you're like, I don't want to go to rabbit hole. When we got civil union in Vermont, we had to do our taxes like three or four times because we were a gay couple, because we were married in Vermont and Vermont taxes were based on us as a married couple, yet the federal government, we had to file singly. So we had to do a single tax return for me. Then we had to do a single tax return for him. Then we had to do a joint tax return as a married couple for our Vermont tax return because the Vermont tax return was based on the federal income tax return. And we threw the federal income tax return away and turned it in with the Vermont tax return. And after doing that rigmarole for you know eight years or so, he was like, that's it. I've had it. We're married. We're, we're going to file one tax return and um, they can take us to court. They can take us to jail. I don't care. I'm not doing it anymore. <laughs> I was like, okay. okay. Um, and so after it, uh, it was really funny after the, after we became illegal from the Supreme court, they went retroactive and said, oh, you can go to your past, you know, you know, two or three years of income taxes and change that to get the tax. Cause there was, there was huge tax benefits to being married versus mm -hmm. filing singly. And I remember turning to an accountant who said, want me to do your, I'm like, we've been doing it for six years already. <laughs> we've been coloring outside the lines. Um, but there, you know, it was that things are so much different in accepting today than they were then. But at the same time, because of our social media and are those keyboard warriors out there. You know what I mean by keyboard warriors? Yeah. Right? Those, those people that just, you know, they would never say it to your face, but they will certainly mm -hmm. type it and hit the enter key. Mm -hmm. um, in some ways that's worse um, because people are bigger dicks when they're behind their computer screen than they would ever be when they were in, I mean, you would have to have a certain amount of balls to come after somebody in person. And there's that sense of anonymous that yeah. they're like, cool, I can get away with it. Yet yeah. something that 
I see it that we talked about before the call that is also a part of a transition that you mentioned that you've seen as well as we talk about social media and marketing is mm-hmm. what consumerism has done to the LGBTQ plus community. Can you go into your views a bit about that? Oh yeah, uh, it's, it, it's, and I think I told you earlier, I guess there was a gay pride really was just a weekend. I, re, I had, we had trouble. I was one of the organizers of one of the first gay pride events in Tampa, Florida. And we had trouble getting a site, getting it organized. You know, we'd, um, you know, try to put on some events and stuff like that. It was really difficult. Um, and nobody wanted to be affiliated with gay pride at all. Um, and now it's gone completely the other way. I hate, I hate the month of June now, to be quite frankly, to be quite frank about it uh, or to speak frankly about it because it has just become this consumeristic piece where I see the, you know, GLBT plus community just getting um, manipulated. I'll say that manipulated and taken advantage of because it's 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 like Christmas. It's June has become like Christmas. The whole marketing machine creates this image of the perfect Christmas that we have to have every year. And you have to have the little green and the smells and little nice sets for your Christmas table and the perfect dinner and the magical holiday, which is all baloney. Nobody is that way. That's one one of the reasons that the suicide rate goes so high around the holidays because people can't keep up with that fake image, but it's all designed to sell you the placemats, the tabletops, the Christmas trees, the music, the this, the that, the clothes, the ins. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. And the same thing now happens in June um, with everybody's flying all month long. Everybody's flying their gay pride flag during month of June. You know, you, you know, it's, it's, it has reduced gay pride to St. Patrick's Day and Cinco de Mayo. You see the bars put out all the St. Patrick's Day stuff and drink green beer, which no Irish people ever drink, right? It's just been this like bastardized thing of, yeah. of, of, of this holiday. And then there's all this, you know, Spanish fiesta, Mexican sombrero stuff that goes out with margaritas for Cinco de Mayo in May. And then that all goes away and the gay pride flags come out. Um, and, and it's, in my mind, doubly worse because the addiction in the gay community is two to three times. And when I say gay community, I mean the whole lesbian, the the whole, you know, uh, sexual minority community, if you will, is two to three times what it is on the national level. So now to see cannabis companies, and I'm cannabis, I wrote a book about it, I don't know, where is that? Where's the book? I wrote a book about cannabis. So here we go. Turning marijuana use in the age of legalization. I've grown pot. I smoke pot. uh, But it is really awful to see the, the, the cannabis industry now, you know, targeting they're targeting through gay pride stuff, rainbow colored THC gummies and stuff like that to a community that is two or three times susceptible than the rest of the world to addiction. I mean, yeah. I guess it's good customers because you got good customers because they're going to get addicted and continue to smoke or drink or do whatever, but it really is unethical. Yeah. And I, I agree. And I, I see what you mean by it also puts people in boxes, just like you talked about with Christmas. And I think that's the, a great segue into your book Androphile pride, because like we all need to beat to our own drum and something we've talked about in past episodes and especially in the, in the month of June is we've had so many people come on about the stigmas of all gay men are flamboyant, all lesbians are butch. And that's definitely not true at all. And those are stigmas that are slowly changing yet 
first off, for the listeners that don't know, what does Androphile mean? So the 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 idea of Androphile came can or Androphilia that you might if you Google, if you Google Androphilia a manifesto, you will find the original book written by a gay named Jack Donovan. That's not even his real name, but um, he's a big burly guy, you know, lift lots of weights. He wasn't, but he became like this big burly guy. Uh, and he basically called out because just like you're, we're marketed by different companies during the month of pride now that you have to wear this underwear, you have to have this shirt, you have to have this drink, you have to have this thing and on and on and on. It's pride. There's not a pride automobile. I bet there is someplace, but that, <laughs> you know, all these things as to, as to, you know, how you're supposed to be and dress and look, right? And none of those people that you see in these pictures of uh, that they're selling stuff, they're all picture perfect bodies, right? Mm -hmm. Certainly not like my body right here, you know? And, and so it, it creates this, the, the, the marketers are creating this box that people just can't fit into of a certain waist size, certain look, certain this, certain that, you know, shave your hair, trim your nose hairs, clip, clip your pubic hair and on and on and on and on and on. It's crazy. And in the same way though, the gay community has all these expectations when you come out because they're very welcoming, very welcoming. Yet they're like, oh, well, you know, you have to accept this view and that view and you can't speak out like somebody saying, you know what, you know, um, you know, straighten up and fly right, you know, you don't, you know, stuff flitting down the halls. Somebody saying something like that is going to be frowned upon by the gay community um, because, you know, you're just, you've got some internalized homophobia that you need to work through, which is something that doesn't happen in any other community out there. Right. They don't. The, the, the black. If somebody criticizes the black community and says this is not, you know, what you do, they don't turn and say, well, you've you've got issues with your blackness. You need to go see a therapist because, you know, you're not a really you're not a real black man or a black woman. You haven't accepted that. And they, they, they may say other things, but they certainly do not, you know, slam these people like the gay community is. In fact, it's the other extreme. I mean, you, you, you cannot see a caricature of a, of a black man or woman. If they're, you can't even get Song of the South from Disney anymore. They're like wiping all this stuff out. You see warnings when you see things from the eighties, when they're talking, you know, portraying, you know, um, uh, black man or a woman in a certain way that this is not the way it is. This is a conversation, mm -hmm. all these other things. Yet, you know, we have these rampant stereotypes that are still pushed on like RuPaul's drag, drag race. I, my prediction, you'll heard it here first, that in, in 20 years, RuPaul is going to be looked at like an Uncle Tom looked at like um, a, uh, a person who is, you know, like, like Song of the South. Right. That that was that is that's a caricature. And that's not how gay men are. We're not all wearing underwear, women's underwear and putting on wigs. So this guy back to my story, I could he, I could see you saying, reel it back in, Scott, reel it back in. And, this and guy, time out really quick, just because. I do want to say this for the listeners, anything of opinions or anything like that are of the guest. And I love the fact that you always share your opinions because you have one of the most beautiful polarizing personalities. <laughs> and I adore that about you because you are you and not giving a fuck. So I do want to say that caveat, but please continue. <laughs> yeah. You can email me at gscottgram.com. Just go there, send me all your hate mail. And I'm willing to to take it on because I, and I, I think these views are important. We, I think it's important for us to talk about. And if I'm being an electric rod on some of these pieces and then people end up having some conversations about this, that's a good thing. That's mm -hmm. a good thing. So this guy, Jack Donovan wrote this book, Androphilia, a manifesto as a reaction to the stuff that I'm talking about a reaction saying, you know, you know, this gay men don't have to be flamboyant. Gay men don't have to subscribe to this. You shouldn't have to vote this certain way. You shouldn't have to be pro pro 
choice. You shouldn't have to be a feminist. You should, you're, and he wrote this book, Androphilia Manifesto. And then after writing this book, he just went off the deep end. He turns out, it turns out that he's a bigot, misogynist, um, you know, was having, was part of this, you know, wolf clan thing in Virginia that were like pseudo Nazis, anti-Jewish. I mean, it was, I mean, he just went off the deep end. And Mm -hmm. so my purpose in writing this book was to put out an alternative that said, yeah, he's right. He is right. But he did the same thing that he was preaching against, which is, he said, you're, you know, the gay community is wrong in telling you how to be, this is what you need to be your own man. And now I'm going to tell you what a man is, anti-woman, anti-this, this thing, that thing, that, 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 that workout, steroid, blah, 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 blah. Um, he did the exact same thing that the gay community does. And so, you know, I think at some point in the, in the book, after I kind of go through this history and talk about this pressure, I say to folks, this is the really important thing. You need to be who you are, not who the gay community says you are, not who the, the companies that are marketing you gay and lesbian pride tchotchke says you need to be, not who Jack Donovan says you need to be, and not who Scott Graham says you need to be. You need to figure out how you are. And if you like painting your nails and working out and hiking, that's great. And if you like um, musicals and not painting your nails and, and being a lumberjack, that's great too. All those things are fine. Uh, but it's the, it's the dogmatic prescriptive piece that really puts a hair across my ass with this stuff. Especially since, you know, you, 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 it's like you come out to the gay community and then you have to come out again and be Mm -hmm. like well i'm not that kind of gay and i'm not that kind of gay what kind of gay am i and you have to go through it all you have to go through like two coming outs as a gay man or a lesbian i'm I'm talking about gay men specifically here so um Uh, curiosity because i i could only imagine that you know, you have these feelings that are building up and you know, like you're doing nowadays, you can do research online, like with questions, am I gay? That kind of thing. And you come out to a community yet uh, to your point, it's almost like you do have to have two coming outs because at least the way I'm thinking this through is that you would kind of have to find out who you are. And if you fit in with this crowd, like there are people that come out that are like super want to work out all the time. And then there's, you know, the gays that are more feminine. And I, I find that at least in my thought process here is you do kind of have to like figure out who you are once you are out, because that first big mountaintop was coming out and then your next big mountaintop is part of finding out who you are yeah and then the real the reality of that is for most people i mean it depends on your upbringing and what you're and 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 what somebody has told you but you're still the same person you were before you came out mm-hmm. you discover a piece along the along the way that you know it's it's just it's just who i have sex with it's just who i have sex with that's it that's it and where where i put my cock has no no relevance as to who i am as a human being right? Straight people don't do that. They don't identify that way. They, you know, you talk to a straight person, what do you, who are you? They say, you know, I'm a, this person, and most people talk about their careers, you know, I'm this, I'm that, I'm a father, I'm this, whatever. And, and, you know, on my resume, gay is nowhere on my resume of things of who I am. You know, I'm a tough mother, I'm an animal rescuer, I'm a widower, you know, people can put it together and say, all right, 
all right, so he's a widower. I you know, was in a relationship with a man for 31 years. I changed my name to be part of I mean, People piece that together, but I don't lead off with, hey, I'm gay. Mm-hmm. Right. That's not the top thing on my resume. It's more important of who I am is that, you know, I meditate. I I'm a firefighter. I'm an EMT. You know, I rescue farm animals. That's who I am. Uh, and and. Gay is just who I happen to have sex with, and it wouldn't even be an issue if people who aren't gay didn't make it an issue. Right. It's it wouldn't be an issue if we if 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 you just you know are like oh I can get married or I can do this or I can do this it would just feel like like an, another choice about what you're doing with your life. And that right? you talk about the titles too, and that's something that we talked about in Tiffany's episode of a lot of straight people will introduce them as their gay friend. And I did talk to one of my good friends, Lee. I used to live with him and his husband and I, I was dating at the time and I honestly would go, yeah, I live with my best friend Lee and his husband or my gay best friend and his husband to gauge how they would react to it. And if they got, you know, disgusted or like, you know, the heebie-jeebies about it, I knew that they weren't have, worth having around. And it's interesting to me hearing that on both perspectives and knowing that I've done that in the past, knowing that I've talked about them as a descriptive to show a piece of that individual, but And it's not just the whole individual that is just a small part of it. Just like you're saying, like, you're not going to put it on a resume. And even now I don't introduce Lee like that because I don't live with him. You know, there's a lot more that goes into it. And it's interesting how each of us as allies need to look into how we're talking about the community and also how we're supporting our friends because saying, oh yeah, I'm going to have Scott on again because he's a gay guy in pride is kind of fucked up. Yeah. 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 And I love the fact that you and I talked about our first episode together was about grief. And that's when I learned about you being a gay man. And your stories are so impactful that I, I did ask you to come back during pride month Right, that it's, it's something that I think is a journey for both sides of individuals that are allies learning how to be an ally. And that is influenced by those that are closest to us that are part of the community. And also those individuals that are part of the community knowing that we're not trying to be assholes. We're learning too, such as individuals that may change their pronouns. I will say that I've messed up on pronouns so many times that, and it's fucked up, but it's, I also have to relearn so much of what society has taught me. Do you have any suggestions or ways that you see that allies could be better allies or anything along those lines? I have, I have an example for at least allies to think about as you do this. And, and I don't have an example for guys. It's only for, for, for the females here. But so if you're, if you're a female watching, just imagine if um, you got introduced based on, your, based on the size of your breasts by people. Like, hey, here's my friend, Samantha. She's a 38D. She's one of my few 38D friends. I have some 38C friends or I have some whatever. It's just imagine if you got introduced that way or if you got introduced and said, hey, this is, this is, Samantha, this is Samantha's sister, Billy. She's a breast cancer survivor. She doesn't have any breasts. You, you'd all be like, you know what? I'm not my tits. Mm-hmm. I am not my tits. 
I am a entrepreneur, I'm a businesswoman, I'm a mother, I'm a partner, I'm a firefighter, I'm a police person. I mean, the list would goes on, but you'd be like, I am not my tits. Don't introduce me as your 38D friend uh, mm-hmm. that you've got here. Uh, it's insulting to just mm-hmm. take my whole being and just bring it down to the size of my tits. It's insulting. And if you think about that and think about that same dynamic happens when you introduce your gay friends on these pieces, right? Because, and it's, and it's easy to fall into that trap because if, if, you know, if we would have some, if there was something in the water tomorrow and every single gay person turned purple, then these issues would be like not an issue. Because the people that weren't out of the closet, the people that are married, and on and on and on, all these there'd be all these purple people everywhere, and problem solved, right? Mm-hmm. You don't have to introduce, although some people do. Here is my black friend, who's mm-hmm. obviously clearly a person of color standing right next to them. They some people still do that, uh, and uh, that it's. It's it's a it's a journey that takes time and a, and and just like uh, I as a man need to get a grip on who I am and that I'm more than just where I'm having sex or who I'm having sex with, I need to remind the people around me that I'm more than who I'm having sex with and um, what I'm doing in my off time when I'm not around. Um, that and I still struggle with the same exact things that are out there that everybody does and has struggled with forever. Um, and I still have the same dreams and aspirations that everybody else thinks about. I'm not just focused on sex um, and getting laid. Um, that is a great example and something that just, two things that came to mind while you were talking about that was having, when people say, oh, I have a gay friend, I'm not homophobic. Oh, I have a black friend. I'm not racist. That is not being a true ally. And that is not truly understanding what may be going on in other communities than our own. And again, going and asking that specific friend from a community wanting to learn about the community is putting an intellectual burden on them. And yes, we have people in the world like Scott that want to openly talk about this, help us all become educated, help individuals beat to their own drum, which is absolutely wonderful. And thank you. Yet please treat your friends and family as the humans they are, not the tokens out of each community because we need to hold ourselves responsible that if we want to find these different resources, listen to shit you don't want to talk about because I bust chuck myself all the time and listen, like Google things like uh, one about racism, white fragility is a wonderful book. And these are all different resources that we can do instead of creating, putting our friend or family member on a pedestal that they don't want to be on and giving them the intellectual burden. And that's the same thing that happens with this rainbow washing that goes on during gay pride month. Now they're tokenizing people, right? It's like a company would be much better asking folks to read a book, go to a training, grow their own diversity efforts as a company instead of, you know, it's June. All right. We're, we're, we're putting out the rainbow Crocs or you go to Disney, right? Look at Disney, right? Disney struggled to only coming forth after there was pressure to say, okay, this gay stuff that they're talking about in schools, we're against that, right? Disney, Disney, Disney for years did not have, there's gay days at Disney. It's not a Disney event. All these gays go to Disney for on a certain day and it's grown and grown and grown. I've been there. Everybody wore red shirts on that day. Um, And Disney would um, offer people passes to go to other parks because not because uh, in part, maybe because there were some people that were upset about all the gay 
people that were there kissing and hugging and all that other stuff, but just that the park was jammed. I mean, it was jammed with red shirts and, you know, mom and, you know, you know, mom and dad from Indiana have come down with their kids, saved up all their money and picked that day to go to Disney, the magic kingdom. And they can't even get on any rides or walk around because there's gay men everywhere in red shirts and lesbians everywhere in red shirts. Um, but you, you see Disney, uh, you know, offer when, when gay pride month comes around, there's, you know, rainbow Mickey mouse ears, rainbow Mickey mouse pins, rainbow, this rainbow, that all this stuff. Yet, where were they when DeSantis was doing all this stuff, you know, around gay education in schools until there was pressure, right? Mm -hmm. That's ridiculous. That is ridiculous. That if they're truly, I don't, I mean, I'd rather have them get rid of all the gay tchotchke and really support diversity and equality than to, you know, boy, look at, I got to spend $15 on a pair of rainbow Mickey ears in Disney. They, they're, they love us gay people. It's ridiculous. Um, and to that point, uh, and the diversity is hiring people of the LGBTQ plus community, creating characters in their movies that support the LGBTQ plus community. We are barely seeing Disney come out with stories that do not Yes, many of them have a happy ending, and I love that personally. I love happy endings, uh, but uh, they are now coming up that it's not associated with love. They are slowly starting to come out with marginalized communities, and there is a lot of progress to go. I just want to say that we are starting to see some progress, yet it is because of the pressure. It is also because, kind of like what you said about your husband, he pushed for something that he believed in, which made you change your own mind. And that's a lot of why we do have Pride Month is to show support and to show that there are people out there that are going to push the boundaries to really show everyone that we are equals, that we like every human is a beautiful human, no matter what they, they identify with, what their color is, what their education, where they work. And yes, that is a bit altruistic and you know too optimistic, yet we can take these slow steps to become kinder to each other. Yeah, we're doing this, especially recently with the, in, in the last, you know, five to six, seven, eight years with social media, people have become so much more unkind to each other. People have gone into their own little bubbles and their own little communities and have built walls around themselves. You would think that information would, would bring down these walls and communication tools would put bring down these walls but in many instances they have just put up these walls because people can isolate and give this impression to themselves that they are part of this other community that is just fictitiously created online and they have these like-minded people that say this that or the other thing whether it's about gay rights choice pro-life Guns, doesn't matter what it is. There are all these bubble communities that say this is the way it is and this is the reality, you know. Otherwise, people would still not be thinking that uh, that that Trump won. <laughs> I mean, talk about a bubble community, right? I mean, still the people are like, oh yeah, that was that was yeah, he really didn't lose. It was a fake election. It was rigged, right? Um, yeah. Those, if that pers if that type of thought or belief persists, which is like really unproven and crazy, just I mean, these other things about gay men, lesbians, blacks, on and on and on, those are all persisting out there too. We just don't see them. Yes, yes. And Mr. G. Scott Graham, is there anything that you wanted to cover today that we didn't? Wow, we I, <laughs> we covered more than I thought we would cover. We have just been around the world and back. I hope Yay. it's been helpful for your listeners 
or and provocative I, at least. <laughs> that is one thing I feel like we can guarantee about your episodes. And I appreciate you being our first return guest. Yes. Now, you mentioned words of wisdom earlier, and I'm curious if you want to repeat them or if you have any other words of wisdom. I, I think they are worth repeating. And that is, you know, each of the words of wisdom for me, which I hope shine through to you, is that, you know, who I am has not really changed. That compass of who I follow and what I believe and what I do hasn't really changed over the years. But there's been pressures when I was first coming out from the Catholic Church that it was wrong and bad and damnation and evil, and then pressures from the gay community to conform to a certain way and expectations from other communities to be a certain way. And ultimately I've come back to the core of who I am. And so, and, and that hasn't changed. And so a lot of times if you're out there saying, I have to discover who I am, or I have to, I have to go out and figure out who I am, you already figured it out. You just, it's, it's already part of who you are. You just have to acknowledge it and move forward with whatever that is and resist these people that want you to march to their drums, march to the beat of your own drum, not theirs, not mine, yours. I love that. And one thing I'd like to add to that is at least in my own journey, it, when I see something new, being open to it and just seeing if it fits into my puzzle, try it on like a piece of clothing, test it out. And if it fits great, incorporate it. If it doesn't fit awesome, put it back, return it. And that's something that's at least helped me grow and still be open yet. And also stay true to myself. Nice. And also, beautiful audience listening, please make sure to check out the podcast, share the podcast, and also check out our Thursday premieres at 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern. And uh, you can check out the all of our social medias are shit, the number two talk about. Again, that is shit to talk about with the number two. And how does our beautiful humans reach out to you? They can just go to gscottgraham.com. And so that's the thing that's on the bottom of all my books. There we go. Look at that right there in the camera, G. Scott Graham. No period after that. Squish all the letters together. Um, you can find me. You can message me from there. You can see my social media. You can see I've written some articles recently on Medium. Uh, it's all linked from there. Easy peasy. Perfect. And last but not least, what is something that you're grateful for? I, I, I was thinking about this uh, throughout, throughout the, well, not throughout the whole conversation because I was engaged with you as we <laughs> covered some stuff I wasn't anticipating on. You know what I'm grateful for? I am really lucky to have the first guy that I ever dated, who's also named Scott. His name is Scott Schwartz. Uh, isn't that kind of funny? About Back then I was going by Gregory. I hadn't got rid of the G. So he still calls <laughs> me Greg. Um, he and I have stayed in touch um, and uh, over the years. And we recently did together a course on emotional intelligence through Coursera. And it was really nice to be with someone that knew, has known me over the years, knew me and kind of come back and, and re-engaged with me after Brian died. Um, and has been a really nice support. And so. I love that. And I'm really grateful that he's in my life. Definitely go check out the course audience. And something that I'm grateful for is your polarization. I, I, it sounds so different or it could sound bad yet. When I think of polarization, it is being your true self, whether or not it's going to piss other people off. And when you believe in something or you're an activist and you truly believe in a change, that's going to piss some people off. Some people are really going to jive with it and other people are going to get mad. And that's given me a lot of encouragement to continue doing this podcast. So thank you for just being you. You know, your podcast is the same way. 
because oh, yes. this is this is <laughs> shit you don't want to talk about. Not let's talk about all the fun stuff that's easy, right? Yes. That's it. Really takes courage to continue to do this day after day, week after week. So I'm glad to see you out there. Thank you, and talk soon, Scott. Yeah. Thank Bye. you. Bye. Hello again, beautiful human. What did you get out of today's episode? We'd love to hear what was most impactful to you. We all know someone that could have really used this episode. So please send it their way. Remind them that they're not alone. Stay tuned for new episodes every Wednesday. Here's a few ways that we could really use your support to keep shit you don't want to talk about going. Share an episode. Let's get the message out there. Donate on PayPal or Patreon. Subscribe and rate the show on iTunes or Spotify. And follow us on social media, shit to talk about, shit, the number two, talk about. Bye.